In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sins. Now the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Guadalupe, St. Joseph, Paul Lanteri, St. Nacia Leola, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So good evening. And Merry Christmas. Uh, it's great to be with all of you as we continue with these series of mini retreats that we started about six months ago. We've done mini retreats two or three days on various topics. We've done one on the book of Tobit. Uh, we've done one on the book of Jonah, another one on the book, the letter of St. James, another one was done on the um, Sermon on the Mount, another one was done on the last saints, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So these are the series, these many retreats we've been carrying out, and um, with, uh, with a lot of blessings, you know, a lot of blessings. So I thought that we would um, give you one, give you the the last one of the year will be this week, which will be today, tomorrow, and Thursday, and then we'll be basically having these mini retreats, God willing, um, every other week. So we'll skip a week, and then we'll have another one of these mini retreats, which will usually be two or three days. Now our our protocol or method is similar to the method that we have in the spiritual exercises program as well as my Marian consecration, which I compare to a tripod. Tripod. And that would be we start off by giving a, a talk on the topic then after the talk on the topic, we will break into groups in which you'll have a facilitator that will be able to direct your conversation for about 20 minutes. And then of, uh, of uh, capital importance would be you're doing your meditations during the course of these three days. So that's the very heart of it, is that you... You're faithful to your, your meditations these three days. Um, so that's our, that's our protocol, that's our method. And obviously the most important part is the time that you spend with God. Right? So that the prayer period that you spend with God is, is of, of greatest importance. 
greatest importance. Therefore, trying to discern, I thought the best topic for this uh, this time of the year would uh, be to give you to give you a plan of life. Uh, I think it's very opportune because we're very close to the end of this year, the beginning of the new year. So, what better time to give a a plan of life? So that'll be our topic. And uh, if uh, if you if you don't already have my uh, my third book, uh, I would invite you if you could try to purchase that book. Okay. I'm not trying to be a professional salesman, but basically that's the. I've got some extra copies in the back in the sacristy too, because it's going to be basically based on in my on my book. So um, I know I'm going to be kind of ambitious, but I'm going to invite you to try to try to read as much as you possibly can in these three days. And if you haven't finished it, read uh, my plan of life during the rest of the week. All right. So building up to the crescendo, which is New Year's Day, uh, read through it. Read through it. That's uh, that's that's our topic. So if you if you have my book, there you have it. Okay, there it have it. It's laid out. My style of writing is my style of speaking. Uh, my style of writing, very easy to understand me when I'm speaking in Spanish and English. I try to speak a very clear Spanish and English, as well as my writing style is very easy to follow. So don't be afraid. It's not going to be so highfalutin high theology with Greek and Latin and hieroglyphics. That's not Father Broom. No, I try to, I try to reach, uh, reach everyone in my style of preaching and writing. So um, have that, and if you like, you, know, you can underline. You can put an asterisk next to it. You can copy. I mean, when I went to college, I probably most of the books were painted with red and yellow and green. And uh, so, um, read that book, and that will give you that will give the foundation for uh, this uh, mini retreat. I'll give you another. I'll give you another biographical reference that I spent an hour reading it last night, and um, you might even write this down if you're taking notes. Spiritual life, okay. Spiritual life. The author is Adolf Tankery. T a n q. U-E-R-E-Y, okay? Adolf Tankery. T-A-N-Q-U-E-R-E-Y. I think I spelled it right, yeah. Uh, if, if you people are taking your spiritual life seriously, uh, you want to become a saint, uh, I think that's, it's one of the best books written People would say it's already outdated because it was written a hundred years ago, but I think it's I think it's a classic. 
and some people that I'm spiritually directing, I, I've suggested that to them and gotten loud out of it. Right, Annette? Those who I'm directing have received a lot of graces from it. Adolf Tankery was a, he was a writer, uh, he was a university professor back at the turn of last century. And there's a, there's a good chapter in that on plan of life. I read it last night, it almost blew me out of the water. It's so well written. Five pages. But it's not like reading Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. I mean, it's, it's, it's serious, uh, it's serious stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'll give you a brief summary of that book and then I'll give you a um, summary of my book. Then I'd like to... Um, I just had an inspiration uh, this afternoon to, um, to, 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 show you, to show you how when someone has a plan of life, how much good he can do. So I spent some good time writing out... Um, a person that I just, I, I, I love, it's a saint that I, I mentioned, Charles Borromeo. I, I hear his name, I feel like I have to fall to my knees. Now, if you don't know anything about Charles Borromeo, probably, maybe the, the greatest bishop that the Catholic Church has ever had. So I, I want to, I want you, I want to give you some for you. Of, this man is a model for living out our plan of life. So I'm going to, he was able to write down many of his accomplishments because he he lived out the plan of life. So I want to focus, probably spend a good 20, 25 minutes on Charles Borme as a model for us. In this book, Spiritual Life of Tankery, This is if you if you, if you're taking your spiritual life seriously. I'm going to say this is for for people that are are really serious about going in your spiritual life. It's uh, it's about the best out there. Now, liberal people say that it's it's um, it's antiquated. It's uh, it's already passe. Uh, but I would I would disagree fully with them. Some of the class, I mean, Thomas Aquinas, he lived twelve hundred, you know, eight hundred years ago. He's still good, isn't he? No. Saint Augustine lived seventeen hundred years ago. He's still good, right? So even though it's it's old, that doesn't mean it's passe. There are some things that are going to be always right vintage. Every time you read Augustine or Thomas Aquinas or now John Paul II, it's always going to be good. So saying something's outdated or antiquated or obsolete, it's a misnomer. Okay, it's a misnomer. Okay, the gospel is all out, it's outdated because it was written 2,000 years ago. Come on, <laughs> can't say that. <laughs> so there are there are good traditional things in the past that we have to rediscover. So what Tankery does, he basically takes Saint John of the Cross who is the great mystical doctor of the church. And he takes he takes the three different stages of the spiritual life. Okay, the three different stages of the spiritual life according to John of the Cross. That would be the purgative way, the illuminative way, and the unitive way. That's John of the Cross. The purgative way, 
the illuminative way and the unitive way. And you can see that there's a parallel between John of the Cross and the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius Loyola. So the spiritual exercise of the purgative way would be the meditation on sin. The illuminative way is you make your confession and you meditate upon the luminous mysteries. The unitive way would be the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. So there's a parallel between John of the Cross and St. Ignatius. Okay? I'm probably the only one that makes that connection, but it's what I'm saying is true. <laughs> Helps to study spiritual theology, your fourth year in theology, right? So, what, what, what Tankery does is he shows you what you're, in your purgative way, what type of, what type, what is your prayer experience when you're in the purgative way? And what type of prayer experience do you have when you're in you're the illuminative way? What is the prayer experience you should be experienced when you're in the unitive way? And good spiritual directors, we got some here, should help you to be able to discern where you're at. And it might fluctuate, might fluctuate that you're, you're in the, you're in the purgative, then you move into a luminative way. And, uh, most of us probably haven't arrived at the unitive way yet. We haven't gone through the darkness of the soul yet. Probably not, okay? But hopefully one day, okay? We have the mystical union between the spouse and Christ. That's called the, 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 the uh, spiritual marriage that St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila speaks about. Okay, so that's part of my forte is, uh, is always t- talking about literature. Okay? So I've given you a five-minute liter- literary th- synthesis of that book, Spiritual, uh, Spiritual Life by Adolf Tankery and Tan Publishers, the one that published uh, my last two books, Tan Publishers. If you're not aware of it, Tan Publishers is probably the most famous Catholic publisher in the world, Tan. So, and Tan is very orthodox. You're not going to get any wacky things from Tan, nor Sophia. (laughs) Tan and Sophia, Ignatius Press, Ascension Press, those are Scepter Press, which would be Opus Dei, Scepter Press. Okay, so let me okay, let me give you a a, a summary of um, of my uh, my book, Road uh, Roadmap to Heaven. <clears throat> this comes as a fruit of giving the exercises for thirty years. I remember when I was in Argentina, I was already writing a plan of life back in the late eighties. No, guess I'm betraying my age, right? <laughs> I remember I gave it uh, I gave it to a group of uh, high school girls and there was a nun that was following my retreat and I almost blew her out of the water. She said, I've never seen such a masterpiece ever written in this plan of life that you wrote, Father. This is back more than 35 years ago, no? So in time I've developed the whole idea of what a plan of life is. Okay, how many of you have done the exercise with me? Okay, well... If you've done the exercise with me, the 10-week, what do we have? 
Okay, first week is PNF, right? And then you've got meditation upon sin. And then the, you arrive at your general confession, right? Remember that? <laughs> and then you have the meditation upon the luminous mysteries and the birth of Christ. Then what follows? The seventh week we give you the Ignatian classics. Remember, Grace? Remember? You're a little bit, a little bit tired this evening, you know? But you got the two standards, right? Three classes of men. Three grades of humility. And then... Oh! You got the plan of life! So I gave you a simple two or three page plan of life that I strongly exhorted for all of you to... You don't even have to write it up because I wrote it for you just to circle it, huh? I've done all the work. I, I do 95% of the work. Then you have to do at least 5%, right? And then just circle it or underline it. And then you, you, you give that to your spiritual director. And then you try to discern with your spiritual director if that's feasible. Tankery insists that if you're going to write out a plan of life, you have to do it in conjunction with your spiritual director. I mean, he's very strong in that. You can't. You write it out. You don't have anyone to look it through and discern it. You're gonna. You're, you're gonna make mistakes. So you want to read that through in conjunction with a spiritual director, because we all have. We all have blind spots. No, so do I. We all have blind spots. So if you have a spiritual director. Or if you don't have a spiritual director, you can maybe run it by a priest. That's uh, very, very helpful. So you don't make any mistakes. Very helpful so you don't make mistakes. Okay, my uh, roadmap to heaven is uh, is divided into three, diff- three different three different. Uh, three different types of uh, a plan of life. The three different. I've given you three different options. Now, for your teenage kids, I wrote one for them. Your teenage kids. I mean, it, it's a little bit more simple. And if you have it, if you read it, and I, I like with the young people, I like to teach by means of stories and acronyms. So I gave them the five M's of the spiritual life. Your two sons can do it. They can do it perfectly. No. Uh, Rick, your kids can do it. And if they take that seriously, it's uh, it's really a highway to heaven. Those we find, your kids, you know, 12, 13, 15, they can do it. And uh, if it's done well, it can help, it, it, it can help out so much. So much. So much. Otherwise, we we, we end up by being what... Uh, is there a difference between a gerbil or a hamster? Is that the same thing? Those little rats that are going around in real? They're little rodents, aren't they? You ever notice... Uh, I mean, I've never had one, but I've seen one. You go into a room... You see this little rat that's going around? 
Otherwise, we become spiritual hamsters or spiritual gerbils, no? Or, or another analogy I give is, you ever been on a treadmill? So have I, okay? I have a new definition of a treadmill, going nowhere fast. Right? Treadmill is going nowhere fast. You know, you want to, so we don't want to be in this spiritual treadmill. We don't want to be, uh, Miss Hamster, Miss Gerbil. We want to, we want to advance. Here's a, uh, a Colombian proverb. El perezoso tobacco doble. Never heard of, I think that's a Colombian one. Never heard the Mexican or Argentinians use that baby. But it's a good one. El perezoso tobacco doble. Any of you speak Spanish? El perezoso tobacco doble. What does that mean? Perezoso tobacco doble means if you're if you're, you're lazy, you end up by doing the work double or triple or quadruple for that matter. No? My mom would always teach if if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing well, right? J.K. Chesterton says if a job is worth doing, it's, it's worth doing poorly. He says that because he takes into account original sin, right? <laughs> We want to try to do always the best we possibly can. Okay, um, now, uh, my book is divided into three different styles of giving the plan of life. The first would be chronological. The second would be professional. And the third would be at the end of the book, a plan of life for the young people, which I give them the five M's. I think for the young people it's a masterpiece because it's not overly taxing and it's doable. So a summary for the okay, the chronological what I did was I. I I break your plan of life into time blocks. And most of, the, okay, most of this is related to prayer and your sacramental life and your relationship with God. Now let me say this from the outset. Okay, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be given you beside. Okay? Have you heard that before? From the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be given you beside. Okay, you're going to know. You're going to notice if you take this plan of life seriously. That if you honestly try to put God first, if you honestly try to put God first. In other words, you, you take your spiritual life, your prayer life seriously. God is going to do most of your work. 
You'll understand that one day. I repeat, if, if, you, if you, you take your prayer life seriously, really seriously, you're really giving your, yourself to God, you're trying 100%, then, then God, God will open up the doors. God will move the mountains. God will work, God will work miracles. And the more apostolic work you have to do, Pray double. Maybe okay. Maybe sleep sleep less, eat less, but but pray double. Yeah, pray double. Have you ever read the life of a saint, any of you? Okay, a saint is someone. The saint is someone who prays very much. You're not going to say, find a saint that didn't pray, pray hours every day. You can't find one, no? The saint is a person that prays a lot. So we start to read a lot of the saints, and we have a saint's family, Dabra Gwen, so. You know, we're ashamed. Any saint, for that matter. And then the saint is a person that loves much, Loves much by loving what God loves most, the salvation of souls. So a saint is someone that's going to be praying a lot, but then a saint is going to be working hard to save souls. And often saints are those who who don't spend a lot of time in bed. I mean, they're up and at them, huh? And they're not, as they're saying, golosos. I mean, they're not, you know, going to town every time they sit down to eat, huh? They're not. And they hopefully had a good meal yesterday, but basically the saints are, are those who, who conquer their passions. And then the saints have a lot of crosses, more than you. Yeah. Oh, not more than me, Father. You don't know me. Yes, I do know you. (laughs) Much more than us. But also, they don't complain and they're always happy. You hear me? We complain about everything, huh? We're always complaining. I mean, somebody, people look at your face. Where did you come from? You look like you, you just came out of the cemetery, no? Is your name Boris Karloff, huh? Frankenstein? And all of this goes against nature, of course, because it's not natural, it's supernatural. And where are they now? They're in heaven. They're in heaven now. So all those are, are characteristics of the saints. And really because they are madly in love with God. They're madly in love with God. And that's the purpose of this whole idea of the plan of life. We want to knock, we want to get everything out of our lives so that God is the center. He's the very center of our life. No one more important than God. 
then the, the next plan of life will be your professional plan life. That means you step back and you look at your life and the areas, the different areas of your life, I've given about ten, and areas in which we can improve in these different categories. Okay, how many of you are mothers or fathers? Are you perfect? Okay, you have to look at that and work at it. Okay. Your spouses, are you the are you the best spouse on planet Earth? Fat chance, huh? Fat chance. Okay, you want to work on that? How about when you're when you're working? Okay, well I don't work, I'm just a homemaker. Well, that's work too, isn't it? No, I'm just a home don't say I'm just a homemaker. Don't say that. I think my mom worked more than my dad. Mm-hmm. Yes. We got nine kids, man. She got up earlier than dad and she was the one preparing the coffee that when dad was already snoring, huh? So these are all areas we're going to be stepping back and looking at how, how you can improve. And if you're if you're if you're work you're you're working outside in the field or whatever, you can improve. If you're working with people, you're working with people today. You you you, know, you can't preach. You can't take the Bible and hit them over the head with the Bible. No, it doesn't work. You have to preach by your work ethic, which means you're punctual. You do it well. Okay. Rather than trying to say, look, you've got to pray the rosary, you've got to go to confession, that's not going to work. But you're there in time, you're walking the extra mile, that's the way in which you're preaching the people today. And then, and then, uh, penance. We all have to learn the importance of sacrificing giving up certain things. Jesus says, "If you, whoever wants to be my follower must renounce himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. This is called permanent formation. So I'm going to be giving you an article that I wrote on the plan of life for your reading. And then I'd like to go through some of those aspects in great detail. And as we end this year, we start a new year, let's give a, a renewed impulse to our Marian devotion. Amen? Amen. A renewed impulse to our Marian devotion. We can, never, we can, we can ne- never love Mary too much. And the more you love Mary, the more you're going to love Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the more you're going to love God the Father. She's the shortcut. I know about you people, but during the the, the, the pandemic um, for three years, 
I didn't experience too much desolation because I stayed really close to the Blessed Mother. And maybe a little bit, not, not, not too much. You know why? Because she's our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So if you have desolation, go to Mary. She's our life, our sweetness, and our hope. She'll never fail us. Then with the young people, the five M's, Make sure a morning prayer when you get up, pray. Kiss your scapula. Meals, make sure that you bless your meals. You know, we're not pagans, are we? And the third one would be meditation. Okay, maybe you don't have to do an hour, but maybe ten minutes. Start with something. And the fourth M is Mass, okay? Daily Mass, okay, you're on vacation, come down. On vacation for a week, come to the early Mass. And then the fifth M is Mary. That's the five M for the young people. What do you think? I, 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 I like it. Nothing <laughs> in confirmation, get 13 or 14. Your kids can do that. You might even, might even ask them, okay, every month, how did you live out the five M's? No. Every month. Examine did you really? Okay, I, in my meditation was pretty weak. Okay, let's in the month of February, let's up it a notch, okay? We'll bring you to Father Broom. <gasps> no, no, no. <laughs> It'll scare me. No, okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So what what I what I want what I want to do now is uh, with your permission. I want to give you a model of how someone really lived out a plan of life. And I'd like to, I'd like to present to you the person of St. Charles Borromeo. Okay, St. Charles Borromeo. And invite you to maybe pray to him tonight. His feast day is the 4th of November. So you're going to see, reading through my book, as well as Tankery, as well as Charles Borromeo, is is the importance of this concept. God has given us time. God has given us time. Not to waste time. You hear me? Not to waste time. Life is just too short. Don't waste time. Time that God has given to you is precious. Work hard in this life using your time, your treasure, and talents. And let's, let, let's rest in heaven for all eternity. That's my, that's my motto. 
I'm trying to live it out. Work hard now, rest forever in heaven. Amen? Amen. Okay, so... Okay, Charles Borromeo... He could he, he could have lived a life of great comfort and ease. You know why? Because his his mother was a Medici. Would have been about the richest people in the world. We're talking five hundred years ago. Where he had his his uncle was the Pope. So uh, a, a man, you know, among the most famous in the world back 500 years ago. He's living at the time of St. Ignatius Loyola. Okay, I'm reading up on him. I was reading two different sources today. One was from the book Father Salisman, La Vida de los Santos. He used three different words that explain his style of life related to a plan of life. And it is um, methodical, systematic, and ordered. Those three words. I really like that. (coughs) I like that. Methodical. Systematic. And orderly. You remember that? <coughs> Methodical. But a method. Systematic. And orderly. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm uh, I'm gonna we're gonna feel embarrassed at the end of it, but but it's gonna be good because we're gonna see how this saint accomplished so much in a relatively short time. And he lived in very difficult times. We're living in tough times. He lived during the time of the Protestant Reformation. That was among the most difficult times in the history of the church in the 1500s, where millions were leaving the Catholic Church. And he was instrumental in stemming the tide to prevent them from jumping out of the Catholic Church to become Protestants. He was the key, I say he was the key figure of the, of the Counter-Reformation. I say he's number one. And Pius V too, St. Pope Pius V too was important, but he was probably more instrumental. So, are you ready? So I'm going I'm I'm to divide... Uh, uh, I'm going to divide his accomplishments in, in two different blocks of time. And it's before before he arrives in the biggest diocese in the world, which was back then, Milan. Milano, Milan. That was the biggest diocese in the whole world. You know, a little bit of geography. Italy, you got the boot there, Sardinia, Rome. Okay, then that's Roma center. Then... North, you have two big cities called Turin and Milan. Okay, Turin would be John Bosco, Milan would be it would be Saint Ambrose, and then eventually this this great bishop. So let's see what he what he does before he arrives in the diocese of Milan. Okay. 
Okay. At 21, he's got a double doctorate. Usually you get a doctor, you're not you're twenty eight or twenty nine, you get a double doctorate by by the time he's twenty one. But you know he he wasn't brilliant like Aquinas. He had to work at it. And you know one of his biggest sufferings? Tartamudo. Yeah. What that is? He stammered. Very, very, very humbling. So he had difficulty in, in, in communicating. So what I'm saying is, sometimes we'll put roadblocks because we say, I have this handicap and I can't do it. It's a loser's attitude. And Charles Borromeo will, will he'll say, never wait to work apostolically until your health is perfect. Forget it. You have some physical limitations, offer it up, work hard anyway. See how easy we can make excuses? We can throw pity parties, right? We really can. We, we can make all these different excuses, manana, manana, manana. That word did not exist in his vocabulary. In Italian demani. No, it didn't exist. Okay, the Pope, when he's a lay person, he's made the secretary. He's made the secretary of state of the Vatican. He was the second most powerful person in the church after the Pope. He wasn't even a priest yet. He's made a cardinal before he was even a priest. Did you know, Alfonso, you could actually be a cardinal? Alfonso, you could be a cardinal. Yeah? You could be a cardinal, you could be a cardinal even if you're a lay person. I'm not saying the baseball player, the cardinal. (laughs) He's in charge of all the Vatican states. Okay, now. This is before he's made a cardinal. You have the Protestant Reformation and the Pope calls for the counter-reform to take place in a place in southern Italy called Trentino, in Trent. So you got bishops, priests, Dominicans, Franciscans, uh, theologians, and what happens if you put the Spaniard and Italian together? You know, Pelea. <laughs> what happens if you put a Jesuit with a Dominican? Guess what? Pelea. So there are so many fights during the council that it would be disbanded and they're going to throw in the towel. Who brought them back together? So he was he was the peacemaker. They'd be fighting over 
squabbling over theological issues, and then they, they would throw in the towel and say, this is enough, and he, you have to keep bringing them back, come on back, calm down, calm down, and bring them back, until finally, after many years, the Council of Trent was concluded, which was probably, in that time, the most important council in the history of the church. And as a result of that, as a result of that, we have the first universal catechism of the Catholic Church. There's only been two universal catechisms in 2,000 years. And they would be the Catechism of the Council of Trent and then the Catechism of the Catholic Church, John Paul II. Two universal ones. So if it were not for him, there would be just a lot of confusion as to what the church teaches. Now there's another there's another book that I would I would refer you to. Eventually, eventually get the have the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but have the Catechism of the Council of Trent. And the Catechism of the Council of Trent is easier to understand. It's kind of like an advanced version of what is called the Baltimore Catechism. Okay, it's an it's easier to follow than the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I think you should have both if you're interested in your faith. All right, this is all. This is all. All before. This is all before he's uh, he's sent to Milan. Now, key moment in his life. Key moment in his life was when he was 25 years old. And in the Italian society, the oldest son would get the inheritance, as is common in many cultures. So the oldest son would get the inheritance, and that would be a a lot, a lot of money. Charles was not the oldest. His oldest brother, who was going to get the money, he died in a freak horse accident. So he was thrown off his horse and he was killed. So all the money went, on, went to Charles Borromeo. He was going to be probably, you know, the John Paul Getty of the world, no? He'd be probably a billionaire today. Guess what he does? He sees that as a providential sign and he decides, nope, I'm going to become a priest. <laughs> So leaving all that money. So at 25 he could have retired and just lived a life of pleasure and ease the rest of his life. Very interesting how God works. No? Very interesting. Do you have the Holy Spirit worked in this man? So at 25 he decides, okay, life is so precarious. I'm going to become a priest. So he becomes a priest. And don't forget, he's, he's, he's secretary of state still, even before he's a priest. And the Pope, you had the Pope Pius IV, who was his uncle, and then you have St. Pope Pius V, who will replace Pius IV, was giving him all this work to, done, to do, and he was just 
carrying out this work with incredible efficiency. No matter what the Pope gave him, he would do it and do it to the, to the T. Then, the Pope decides that there's there's no bishop in the there's no bishop in the biggest diocese in the world, Milan, for 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 years. So the Pope believes here's the most important diocese in the world. I might as well send my nephew to to be the to be the new archbishop. So he's ordained a priest, and then I think within a couple of months he's already made a bishop. <laughs> And then, there he is next to the Pope, and the Pope doesn't want to let him out of the Vatican. And, and he said, Your Holiness, look, i, I got to be with my people. <laughs> i got to be up there with them. So the Pope finally gives in, and he heads off to the great city of Milan, which would be one of the intellectual centers of the world. But religious ignorance was... Was, was, was widespread because there's no bishop there for many years. There's a lack of priests and a lack of good catechesis. Okay, so now we have, we have him arriving at, at Milan. This would be the second, the second uh, stage of his life, seeing his accomplishments. Now, if, if he simply was instrumental in terminating the Council of Trent and being the secretary there, he was a secretary in the Council of Trent too, in which the catechism was published, that would have been already a huge accomplishment. If he died after that, he'd still be considered one of the greatest men in the church. Just with, just with the, the, uh, the accomplishment of, of writing the Council the Catechism Council of Trent. Alright. So he goes up to Milan. Widespread ignorance. So what does he do? He arrives at the, the bishop's palace and he gets rid of all the luxuries. Okay? All the luxuries and the the Episcopal Palace, he, he gets rid of it, he gets the money, and he gives the money to the poor. Here you have the richest man in the world. No, he could have been, no? Living in an in incredible poverty. Okay, instead of spending time there in Milan, what does he do? He decides that he's going to leave and he's going to try to visit all of the parishes in his diocese the biggest diocese in, in the world now. He didn't travel in a limousine, okay, or Mercedes-Benz. He didn't have a hol- helicopter, okay. Basically traveled, what, on foot or maybe, you know, a horse. And look at you, you people, you're here in California. Oh, I see some of you are you're dying of cold now, right? Yes. <laughs> We're spoiled. <laughs> yeah, I live in Italy. North, I mean, Rome, you don't get... You go northern Italy, you get... In the Alps, you get the snow. So you had very inclement 
weather back then. So he's going, for, he's going from one parish to the next. And what is he doing? He's teaching, he's teaching catechism. He, he loved the priests, but if the priest was liberal, he would throw the priest in jail. Yep. Yep. No baloney, no. If the priest was liberal, there was a, there was a, a special jail for, for, for priests that were not abiding by the truth. But a good priest, he'd spend day and night right next to the sick priest, attending to him hand and feet. But he wouldn't put up with any baloney. He wouldn't. Now, what a man of God. I mean, don't, don't you admire this man? Okay, now... All the saints have a very special love for the poor. He built and set up orphanages. The extent of his work, it it blows your mind, really, no? Setting up orphanages, that's not easy. You gotta have a center there, you have the people to watch over it. He wanted the poor children, the street urchins that were walking the streets of Milan, not to be sleeping in the gutter, but have a place. Certain saints like Don Bosco. This is 300 years before Don Bosco. What else? He set up, he set up hospitals. Camillus de Lelis, who lived at the same time, this is about the beginning of, I shouldn't say modern hospitals, but at least a structure where you had beds and you had some nurses and you had some type of a medicine, otherwise people just die in their homes. See, the, the, the love of this man is incredible. And his, his creativity, his willingness to take initiatives. Okay, now, what, hap- what will happen if um, he saw the danger of women uh, be risking falling into prostitution. So he set up homes for them, women that were already fallen into prostitution, but women that are in danger, he would have set up homes for them. Did you know also that St. Ignatius and St. Faustina did the same thing? Did you know that? You didn't know that. Divine Mercy Sisters would help these women they were in danger of losing their virtue, and Saint Ignatius helped them too. Very vulnerable category. Mm-hmm. So, so did Saint Nicholas. You know, save, save the three girls from giving into sin. Okay, right now, um, I believe in the in, in the context of the parish. I've been in this parish for many years. Very important catechism. Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. Catechism is very important. But it has to be orthodox. It has to be orthodox. So one of his, one of his basic thrusts were to try to work on catechism. He's got millions of people in Milan. And as the book of Jonah says, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. Mm 
They're ignorant. And easily ignorance can lead to vices, right? Drinking and drugs, even today. So he was insistent in trying to, to fight for the catechetical movement. And he was ahead of it. Now listen, listen to this. Think about founding a catechetical school. He founded, are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt. Founded 740 catechetical schools. Can you believe that? 740! And he knew if he did this, souls are going to souls are going to be saved through proper doctrine. All right, and any catechists here? No catechists here. Okay, he formed three thousand catechists. And I'm sure that if he did it, it was done well. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, forming a good catechist, it's a lot of work. From the priest as well as those who take seriously. we got a few catechists here. You can improve, right? Mm-hmm. 3,000! <laughs> then, with 40,000 students... When I was studying, I was blown out of the water. Wow. 740 schools, Grace. I know. 3,000 catechists and 40,000 students. No? I'm not sure. But what often would happen, I'm sure, if it's a child, the child learns and goes back to the house and starts to talk to their Relatives about catechism. Okay, now, going into the realm of human formation, he he founded colleges. This is back when, 500 years ago, where the colleges were not, here in the United States, almost every town has got a college, no? Mm -hmm. At least a JC, huh? A few universities. He founded colleges. Colleges. Okay, this is this is perhaps one of the most important. When you get a priest that's ordained, it depends on the the uh, the holiness of the priest depends upon a lot of things, but it depends upon the seminary formation. So up to his point, there was really no formal seminary. So this kind of formed, as the saints been, a la buena de Dios. Mm-hmm. Okay? No, no formal seminary. Okay, they're formed, a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of theology, a little bit on prayer. So a very spotty formation. So St. Charles Borromeo was instrumental in for the formation of the modern seminary system 500 years ago. You know how many? He formed six seminaries. 
And then once the other bishops throughout the world heard heard about him, they went to Charles Borromeo to try to form their seminaries on the program of Charles Borromeo. I was in Philadelphia, where Renee's from, for five years. Do you know the name of the seminary on Overbrook? There, West Philadelphia. I know Philly maybe better than you, Renee. It's St. Charles Borromeo, right, Renee? Yeah. Named after the great St. Charles Borromeo. He was very insistent on the formation and the reformation of priests and religious. There was a group of religious that were living a very disorderly life and maybe you heard the story. He's in the church praying and they shot at him. And the bullet went through his habit. Yeah, too bad they wrecked, my, they wrecked my habit, no? Okay. And then he went into retreat thanking God that he wasn't killed. So it was religious that tried to kill him. Because he was challenging their, 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 their lifestyle. They're living a very comfortable lifestyle, and he said, yeah, you can't live that way if you're a religious. All right, here's another important point. It's good that you have good friends. It's good that we have good friends. Do all of you have good friends? Yes. Yes, my dog. No, no, no. <laughs> Thought you were going to say that, Ray Grace. No. Okay. How do you say? Dimi con kinanda tedigo kinetis? Dimi con kinanda tedigo kinetis? How do you translate that, baby? Uh, birds of the flock stick, stick together is the way we translate it in American English, huh? Tell me with whom you are and I'll tell you who you are, right? Okay. He gave first communion to St. Luis Gonzaga. Okay, he's, these were some of his friends. St. Pope Pius V. St. Francis Borca. Ready now? St. Philip Mary. St. Felix uh, Cantalici San Andres Avellino. So he had a whole cluster of saints that were his best friends. Pray for the grace to form good friendships. You got a good friend, my friends? That is one of the most precious gifts. Even have one good friend. And that's for your kids. You got a really good, one or two good friends? Man. That can help out very much. When I was a kid, I had friends, but my parents were very controlling on our friends. Very, very Demanding, not allowing us to have any friends that could lead us in the wrong direction. So there's so much that can be said about this saint. All right, how does he end his life? Okay, we we went through three three years of a a pandemic in the world, right? Mm -hmm. You had the Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague. If you study church history which almost decimated Europe. Sometimes once that hit a city, half the people would die. 
1567, you had the famous uh, Black Plague, which, which hit northern uh, northern Italy. Guess where the guess where the rich people went? They left. Guess who stayed there? Saint Charles Bale. He stayed there with his people. He would bend over and helping the sick people. And okay, listen, listen to this. Here you have the richest man in the world. He could have been. He helps out the poor people. He borrows money to help the poor people. And it says he's feeding in between sixty and seventy thousand people every day. And between sixty and seventy thousand people every day. And as a result of that, as a result of that, his health is ruined. And Saint Charles Borromeo died. He was 21 years younger than Father Broom. In his mid-40s. So I, I purposely wanted to relate the life of Charles Borromeo. This man had a plan of life. He did not waste time. He didn't waste talents. He didn't waste his treasures but he gave himself fully and totally to God. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the presentation of this man is going to be in, is going to be a motivation for us, my friends. Let's let's use our time well. And if we if we wasted half of our lives on on frivolous things, on superficial things, or even sinful things. Let's pray for the grace starting right now this new year to, to give ourselves fully and totally to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's ask this great St. Charles Borromeo to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now, beyond. The Lord be with you. And Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father Ed. We're going to be breaking up into our groups here pretty soon. And the um, and this is a three-day retreat. And what a wonderful way to start with um, an icon, St. Charles Romero, uh, helping you put together your plan of life. Um, I'd like to uh, make an announcement for those of you that may not have heard 